1: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The
0: moon brings the woman to the man. Capisce? The moon is a little like love. Will you marry me? I will marry you. I will be your wife, you love him loretta no good when you love him they drive you crazy sometimes
1: why are you marrying johnny he's a fool
0: it makes you act a little crazy where are you taking me to the bed oh god okay i don't care i don't care take me take me to the bed isn't it romantic you got a love bite on your neck your life's going down the toilet you have your eyes open for you my friend i have my eyes open i'll say no more you haven't said anything ah, la luna. you ruined my life
1: that's impossible you ruined my
0: life look it's cosmos move why do men chase women nerves i don't want to talk about it
1: that moon that
0: crazy moon now you don't i love you what
1: snap out of it
0: i'm confused they say there's nothing new under the sun
1: wait a minute wait a minute
0: <clears throat> but under the moon that's another story
1: Do you love him loretta ma i love him awful oh god that's too bad
0: share Nicholas Cage in a Norman Jewison film.
1: A la familia, eh? A la familia!
0: Moonstruck.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? <sighs> Ooh, a book club. <sighs> Computer solitaire. Huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.
0: Welcome to the Cage Corner Podcast, a podcast journey through the great Nicolas Cage. I am your host, Captain Nostalgia, and if you guys are new to our show, our show is just slightly a little bit different than other Nicolas Cage podcasts out there. First off, this is a spinoff show from Victims and Villains, a podcast that dares to marry pod... Me- mental health and pop culture and all of the mo- second all of the movies that we cover on this are chosen by our fine patrons at our five dollar tier so if you guys would like to help us get mental health resources into schools and conventions you guys can uh and also tell us which nicholas cage movie you guys want us to cover uh go to patreon.com slash victims and villains but all of that is going to be in the show notes wherever you guys are currently listening or streaming this. Uh, but this is the episode we're covering, 1987's Moonstruck, and I am joined by staff writer and play writer, Mr. Matthew Basil.
1: Uh, thank you for having me back again. I am usually always down to talk about movies, but I am always down to talk about Nicolas Cage movies.
0: <laughs> so when we started this, like, Doing this five dollar tier, it started out as a complete joke. I was like, <laughs> nobody will ever pay. I was like, hopefully, but I don't think anyone will. And then, like, we put out the first episode, the pilot, with Grand Isle, and we got i I think it was like three, uh, like three back to back to back like patrons that came on and started supporting us at that tier, and I was like, oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. I, I thank you so much for, you know, uh, you know agreeing with our vision and, and supporting us. Um, but this was a movie that is uh, early Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Early, early Nicolas Cage. And
1: um, uh, one of his first big ones. I think it was the same year yeah. Arizona came out, actually. So it was kind of right as he was starting to really make a name for himself.
0: So he had, he had had some like bit works in like early eighties movies. Like there was a couple like Rat Pack movies that he had done around that time. Right. But this was kind of the, this was like one of the first movies where he started stepping out and like really making a name for himself.
1: And funny trivia. He, uh, the studio didn't want him for the movie. They, they, they were going to go with somebody else and Cher, uh, insisted that, uh, that he be in it. She felt that he could play crazy the best and he delivered in my opinion <laughs> and see she said she would leave the film if if they didn't cast him as as opposite her uh, wow
0: that, that's some uh truly like truly some big shoes uh to to put put on front of Nicolas cage and i think it was last month one of the patrons had chosen us to cover vampires kiss and our friends over at, you have to watch this podcast graciously covered that. So thank you, Alan and Devin. Uh, but this was kind of like right around the same time where like Nicholas Cage was kind of like really starting to like make a crazy name for himself. And now we know him as, uh, we, we did Ghost Rider this month too. And now we know him as kind of like, we wait for those moments where you just kind of see him like, lose his mind
1: i forget where i was watching it but someone on the internet put it as when we get to see nick cage nick cage
0: (laughs) that's that's such an accurate description though because i found myself the first time i watched mandy i was waiting for that like that nick cage moment and when someone close to him dies he's in a bathroom and uh, a raglan and like whitey tidies with a 40 and just going crazy. But it works. Like, if he's in, given the hands of like the right directors, like Nicolas Cage Crazy is cinematic gold.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It is. And I think, I think this was one of those cases where, like you said, it, it worked. Cher was absolutely right that he, he was the right man for the job
0: so i i want to ask and i want to get your opinion on this because you know obviously movies are made up of people from like different backgrounds sometimes you have stage actors that cross over into movies you have television that come into movies um you have wrestlers that have obviously made a name for themselves john cena the rock um but it's always interesting when when pop stars kind of make that transition (laughs) And uh, like, how do you feel about, like, pop stars kind of, like, coming into the, the silver screen?
1: I mean, it, it, it rarely works, I think, in all honesty. I mean, sometimes it does. It, 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 there are instances where it does. Uh, you know, sometimes a pop star does, like, one role really good and maybe doesn't, you know, really have any other uh, movies that fit, you know, them. Um, it's just always... A little bit you know because it's two it's two different talents not saying that you know people can't have more than one talent but i mean it's one talent to be a you know a singer and a performer you know on stage with music and then you know another talent to you know act so um you know i always you know i'm a little bit hesitant but honestly i mean it has lady gaga for instance in a star is born i thought she did a phenomenal job i you know if you asked me before i saw that movie you know what what i thought you know about i would have said, nah, it's not going to work. But, I, you know, I really was blown away by her performance in that movie. So, you know, you never can know for sure. And I think this is, again, another example where, um, you know, Cher has made a name for herself as an actress, Um, you know, and this is definitely one of those movies where she shows she can do it.
0: So I'm right there with you. I often think that, you know, music, it takes talent. Like, I I understand and know that it Uh, takes... I don't want to be a little to a musician.
1: musician. By any means.
0: <laughs> but I think that you just captured it perfectly when you're saying that like not everybody can act.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And like recently on Victims, we were talking about uh Chef and somehow along the way, like there's an element of that movie that features a road trip. And so we we got talking about Britney Spears one single credit to her name in Crossroads 2002 Um, Mariah Carey like uh, doing Glitter Redman who's you know not a pop star but he's a rapper um, having him do uh, Seed of Chucky in the early 2000s Busta Rhymes and Halloween Resurrection we went through this like really weird period like the late 90s early 2000s where we're just like give all the pop stars and rappers movies yeah. just do <laughs> and those movies either were not received well by critics fans or do not hold up well at yeah. all. Yeah. And I think that like lady Gaga is a, a great example of like that anomaly when you're talking about pop stars transitioning because she did it first with American horror story
1: mm. and
0: did really well. And then just like seeing her on the stars born like was just like another level. Like I did, did like that's not normally my cup, it's my cup of tea as far as movies go, but like that movie just like awed me. Like,
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, the person I saw the friend I saw with both of us went back home uh, after seeing the movie together. And I mean, we both were saying we were listening to songs from that movie, like just completely could not get it out of our heads for at least like 24 hours. That's how amazing both her and Bradley Cooper did with that film.
0: And I don't know like, what's like, like, more impactful, like the fact of like Bradley Cooper doing country music, a <laughs> genre I don't typically listen to, or Lady Gaga doing acting. But the two of them just together was really well. And uh, Bradley Cooper kind of had that same experience that Cher did where he was like, you know, this it needs to be Gaga. Like, this is who I want to have as my co-star. And I think it's really bold of, of Cher to basically like, you know, agree to walk if yeah. they didn't cast Nicolas Cage because her, their chemistry between the two of them I feel like is really what sells me on this. And I'm not Italian, but the way that their love story starts is a way that we've seen Italian love stories portrayed uh, in cinema for quite some time. And the two of them together like, it was just so good um and and i really really loved the two of them together like they're they're so charming and them at the center of this movie i think is just uh really really well cast it um and i'm, I'm glad that share kind of stuck her neck out for cage to get this role
1: yeah i agree i mean i i don't i couldn't envision you know anybody else doing it i i think like you said, they have really good chemistry together, which, I mean, again, I, I wouldn't have guessed it, you know, <laughs> when, um, before seeing it, but I, they do, it works, and I think it's it ends up being the backbone of the movie in a lot of ways, because I there's so much kind of, um, you know, it's a comedy, so there's kind of this kooky, you know, Italian, you know, kind of, um, you know, family kind of going around it, and I think, you know without that because you know you believe in that relationship you know you kind of go along with everything that's going on around it and the absurdity that everyone's showing up to the breakfast table at the end of the movie you know and it's it's kind of grounds the movie uh, because they they you you kind of believe that these two people could fall in love
0: yeah and so i guess like before we start talking about like the the thematic elements that make up this movie like what were your general thoughts on it uh this was a first viewing for me and like when we reached the end because i watched it with my wife and i just remember like turning to my wife and said i feel like this movie was like infinity times better than what i was anticipating like this movie had no right to be as good as it did and it was so so spectacular yeah, I, I
1: agree with you. It, it's because um, as we were saying right before we, we actually start broadcasting, um, recording, you know, I, I had watched it about a year ago for the first time, and going in with low expectations, honestly, um, and you know, was really impressed. And actually, just was watching some clips before we came on tonight, just to refresh my memory, and uh, was like, wow, I forgot how good this movie is. I gotta go. I gotta watch it again um, <laughs> this weekend or something uh, because I it's it, it comes to, it, like I said it. it it could have just been kind of a screwball kind of quirky, um, just, you know, New York movie. Um, but I think, like I said, there's uh, Cher and Nicholas Cage, their performances, their chemistry just elevated to, you know, a really heartfelt story. I will say also too, that, um, John Mahoney and Olympia Dukakis, you know, their, um, their roles to me also really, um, pulled me in, uh, their characters, um, and I think like I said you know those those elements kind of elevate it so it mixes with the comedy and you get this kind of very heartfelt story that has a lot to um you know a lot to say as well you know in it so it's it's kind of a really enjoyable movie and it's light and it's funny but it's also kind of really endearing um and you know really kind of makes you want to fall in love or reminds you why you fell in love if you are currently in love. So I I think that's, you know, a testament to the actors uh, that pulled it together. Not that the writing, you know, was anything wrong with the writing, but I think, you know, the actors are really what elevated it.
0: The uh so there's a there's a particular scene <laughs> where everyone like there's like multiple characters all looking up at the same moon. Mm-hmm. And one of them's like an older guy and I if I remember correctly, I think it was uh, Olivia Dukakis's brother, and
1: yeah, I'm not. I was never quite sure of their relation, but yeah, I know you're talking. It's it's the one that I'm <laughs> character Loretta works for, right? That's, yeah, uh,
0: yeah. So so she balances the books, and like everyone's kind of like all connected, right? And but there's a scene where like he looks at his wife, yeah. in the in the moonlight, and like just compliments her, and they kind of like insinuate that like these, these, this elderly couple like went on to eventually have sex. Right. And, uh, but it's kind of like one of those things that like, I turned to my wife and I was like, I'm going to be that way when I'm like old and wrinkly, just so you know. Um, and it is, it's, but it's like one of like the more endearing qualities about this movie that I just absolutely fell in love with. And, um, one of the things that i think for our generation you know when you're talking about these kind of like family movies that you know maybe aren't necessarily outright like made from families but like have a like a strong family dynamic we saw my big fat greek wedding is a great example of kind of that kind of intensity and that intimacy that moonstruck brings and then you know you even see it like it's a completely different genre and movie but godfather is another great example that really kind of illustrates the the depth and the intimacy of family that uh, especially for Italians, that this movie uh, does in a more lighthearted way. And I feel like the family dynamic that is woven throughout the tapestry of this movie is phenomenal. Um, This movie just made me feel like I was just like living in a two hour Olive Garden commercial. And I just felt so warm after I got done this movie.
1: Uh, yeah, well, I know you said you're not Italian, but I am Italian. And uh, I can tell you that's it's, it's, it's pretty accurately done uh, from my own experience. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they uh, – and which is – I don't think either the director, Norman Jewison, and um, the writer, um, uh, John Patrick Shanley, I don't know if either one of them are Italian or not. Um, I, I couldn't find that out. But um, – they they capture it beautifully um you know uh it's it's uh it's you know it's how you know i I remember you know growing up this you know just this you know very everybody's close-knit there's you know there's these emotions that are going under kind of the surface there and you know just just a phrase or a word carries so much weight you know um I, I, you know, that you catch in this movie when the different family members are talking with one another um, and it's just um, and it's just the energy that they have. And um, it's it's yeah, it's very accurate. And it's it's does it. it but it does it in a way um Whereas my big fat Greek wedding, I think, was was the kind of tease it, you know, and make fun of it a little bit. This does it in a way where you almost feel like you're you're in the you're in the family. You're you're part of the eccentricity, and you know you're like, oh yeah, okay, this is just how we are. So you, I, for me at least, it it pulled me in more, even more so, where I just felt a part of this family. Like, oh okay, yeah, I want to go have. You know, I, I want to go live with them and, you know, hang out with them and, you know, go to dinner and have awkward conversations with them. That's this is this is awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so you even see that in I guess this is an app. We, like, we've we gotten pretty deep into this movie already. But spoiler warning, because I'm about to give a major spoiler about the ending. But particularly you see that family dynamic at the end when uh, this affair between Loretta and Ronnie actually culminates in this family breakfast Mm -hmm. over oatmeal, of all things. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, Johnny is Ronnie's brother and Loretta's fiancé. And, uh, like, they break up at the beginning of this breakfast, and then Ronnie proposes to Loretta and they get engaged and they're all like having these like celebratory uh like champagne and uh Johnny's just kind of in the corner and I guess it was like the brother the grandfather like walked over and he like hands him a glass and he's like cheer up sonny you're in the family now and like that I feel like just kind of captures that that scene in particular just captures that family dynamic so well that it's such a, like a warm note to end on.
1: Yeah. I and that, and now a little trivia about that scene. I, I, I looked up trivia. That was the director uh, Norman Jewison uh, actually got fined because he wouldn't let the actors go to take their lunch break because he, wanted to make he was so intensely working on that that they went into like overtime because he wanted to get everybody's placement right for that for that final scene at breakfast and he actually has gone on record saying that was the most difficult scene he ever directed to try to figure out everybody's reaction what their thought process was during you know internally during the scene and how they were going to be sitting and, and who they were going to be looking at but um but yeah, I think that, that scene to me is like is is the crowning jewel of, of the movie because it, it's where everything comes to a head. You know, it's um you know for people who haven't seen this movie, it's 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 not a vignette thing. Um, you know where you know it's it's different isolated scenes, but it's kind of you have this kind of little subplot between uh, Loretta's mother and this other guy. And, you know, the fact that the, you know, again, spoiler alert, you know, that her uh, father's has an affair, is having an affair, you know, so you have that kind of going on. You have this whole thing with love triangle with Loretta and Ronnie and his brother, you know, going on. And, you know, you have this uh, also friction between Loretta and her father, you know, because she was married once and he doesn't want to pay for another wedding. And like all of these things just kind of get resolved during this breakfast scene that's, you know, and um and everybody's there and, you know, and it's all, but it's all resolved in, in, again, this is where I said, it's like so true to, to at least my experiences. It's all resolved with just a few sentences, you know, it's all very, very quick. Nobody's, you know, you know, he comes in, you know, he, he tells her, you know, her that he's got to break off the marriage, you know, and then, okay. So, you know, she yells for a little bit and then she gets, she gets you know, engaged to uh, to uh, Ronnie, Nicolas Cage's character, you know, the, the, um, her, her father and mother, you know, uh, settle their whole affair thing with just a simple stop seeing her, you know, and he slams his, his hand on the table and he says, okay. You know. And then that was, you know, it, and that's, that was like, I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much, yeah. That's, that's what I remember. Like that's, a, you know, this, uh, there's so much going on under the surface with, you know, the eyes and with the expressions and with the tone of voice you know, that the words are kind of almost secondary just to reinforce. And I just think all the characters did beautifully with that. And it's just such a kind of, you know, it it could have been like this huge, you know, volcano that went off with all this stuff going on, but instead it just feels so warm and, and, you know, kind of like you said, it just, it it brings you into the family.
0: And I feel like you need that scene in particular because it's, it's a very soft yet subtle ending. Yes. It it really just it's very intimate the way that this movie ends and you know, it throughout the course of this movie it, it's so busy. Mhm. But you need that because it's like there's a um uh, there's like scenes where um Rose's father-in-law is like he lives, he lives at their house, and so, like, he, like, walks the dogs and, like, has, like, his, like, own, like, little, like, subplot. And then you have um, Cosmo, who's Rose's husband. Uh, she ends up, like, he ends up, like, having this, like, affair throughout the entire film. Um, and one of the things that, like, really just, like, got to me about this movie... I was like, what is the deal with this Italian restaurant that everyone seems to go to? To where there's always like one couple that the camera fixates on that's like having the best night of their life. And then you have another couple that's like either breaking up or like you're watching a divorce happen right before your eyes. And I liked it the second time that they got it because we got that exchange between Rose and Perry yes and uh, I love how that 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 could be one of the best scenes in this movie I feel like where he walks her home after being spotted by her father-in-law yeah. but it's just like it's such an awkward scene and then you get they get home to where um, uh, Rose and Cosmo live and uh, you know, Perry's talking to her and he's like, you know, what's your husband doing? He's like, Oh, he's a plumber. He's like, Oh, that must mean, you know, that must be how he affords like such a nice place, has such a beautiful wife, and um kind of almost leave, like lives like envious enviously for a few minutes because, you know, here you have this uh scene where like Perry, like when we meet him, like he's He's an older guy, he's a college professor, and he's, like, dating one of his students. And, like, he admits to Rose that, like, he has a habit of it. And uh, he, like, tries to, like, make the advance at Rose. And Rose is like, you know, uh, I can't invite you up. And he was like, oh, is it because, you know, you're married? She's like, no, I can't invite you up because the the house is empty. I'm home alone. But I know who I am. And it's like that scene right there just kind of like brought a new depth to her character. But I love the fact that, you know, we could have gotten this like very in the moment, uh, just like heated, like very sensual uh like one night stand kind of thing and you know she like stood her ground and like fought for her marriage and I feel like sometimes like that's a thing that's very rare in film. Um and like even today I feel like when you're talking about the the rate between like marriages that continue versus marriages that end in divorce or like infidelity. Uh so that was like really refreshing for me to kind of see a scene like that in movies.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's honestly, like I so said, one of, um, you know, my aside from, like you said, the breakfast, pretty much aside from the scenes with Nicolas Cage um, and that moon scene. I mean, that's that's another one of my favorite, you know, uh, scenes that you just listed. Uh, that was one of the ones that really uh, stuck with me, um, you know, long after, you know, the movie. Like, I mean, I, you know, remembered it, you know, from any you know, I mean, I, like up till now, like and I haven't seen the movie in a year um and, and because it is it's it's such again it, like i said that's what I, I loved about it and you know not to, in the script and the way the actors did it with these kind of undercurrents that are there you know because like you said it's such a a pivotal scene for um you know olivia olympia dukakis's character uh, rose and it's also um you know it, it's because she stands her ground for it but you know, they, they also have this connection, but she's not going to to use it. You know, she's not going to bring this connection in where it's going to disrupt her marriage. You know, they're just they're 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 kind of just two people having that. And I think he gains even more respect and admiration and affection for her because she you know will, will stand her ground at least until I took the scene. And it's just a, um, it's just a beautiful like I said, scene, and you're right, it's, it could have, like, uh, when I was watching it the first time, I just kind of been like, okay, now she's gonna go have her affair, haha, uh-huh, she got back at her husband, you know, just assumed that was where they were going, so it, it really kind of struck me as, oh, wow, this is something different that you don't normally see, the way they kind of handled that you know because he he, and he didn't push himself on her you know which is you know sometimes you see it when the woman you know refuses and the guy you know tries to push himself on her um and turns out to be a creep and you know it it wasn't though it was this kind of very beautiful touching scene where they kind of both where he was kind of disappointed because it's this wonderful woman that he knows he can't have and because and he can't and she's so wonderful because he can't have her and you know she kind of you know Um, I think kind of realizes, you know, that her marriage is, you know, more important than kind of the ego of, of having this, you know, lover, you know, lavish her for like one night. Um, You know, so it was just, it was a beautiful scene that really took a lot of depth for, uh, and showed a lot of depth. Um, And
0: I, I love his like response where he's like sad for a second. And then he's like, well, we can go to my apartment. And (laughs) it's like, that's, that's the guy thing to do. That's, you know, what a, a man, he got with, it, uh,
1: but he, but he relents. Though, <laughs> is, uh, you know, he
0: kind of understands. I think he
1: gets a kiss on the cheek as a consolation prize. If I remember correctly.
0: Yes. Say. And you know, I think, but her, her character needed that moment because oh, yeah. it's never really alluded to that. She knows about this affair until the breakfast scene. And I think that that particular date or like dinner, whatever you want to call it, with Perry kind of like awoken something in her where, you know, she had her chance for vengeance. And instead of getting vengeance, she kind of got shaken alive to where she was like, you know, I'm married. I have been for a while and I'm going to fight for my marriage. And that's what I feel like you need that scene in particular to kind of like not only. Appreciate Olivia Dukakis's full performance throughout the course of this movie, but also how everything ends up in the end between Cosmo and Rose as their arcs kind of intertwine and they kind of almost start back at square one with the same as Sharon Ronnie.
1: Yes, yes. Which is like i said how you know the beautiful arcs that they do and how that breakfast scene kind of brings everything together. Because, like I said, the, the, the other plot lines, you know, that we have, the various plot lines we have going through this movie kind of, you know, they, they could have gone separately, and the breakfast scene kind of intertwines them and, and I think contrasts them beautifully. And, yeah, I think that's that's a huge turning point to her character. And it, immediately after that interaction with, um, with Perry, um, John Mahoney's character, uh, is when she also sees um, Ronnie's brother, remember, and she has a drink, and she says, can you tell me why men chase women. And he gives this kind of, I think, very touching um, explanation where he references the Bible story of Adam and Eve with the rib. And he says, well, you know, because, you know, God took the rib, you know, from man to make woman, there's an empty spot in man that he's always trying to fill, you know, and that's why he was always looking for a woman to fill it. And then, I love the scene where then Cosmo comes in you know, after they have this conversation and she just says to him, She's like, just so you know, you're 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 going to die eventually <laughs> because the whole point was that like he's like, Well she's and she says, Well, if that's true, like I mean, why do they have to constantly chase after all these, you know, men? And he's like well, because they're afraid to die. And so then she kind of tells her husband, she's like, you are going to die. So you don't need to chase after the <laughs> you know, Kind of like the subtle way. And he's like, thank you. And then he goes up to bed. And, um, you know, and then, you know, the next morning is when she kind of flat out says, stop seeing her, um, you know, which I think is just, like I said, um, you know, it was, was a very powerful scene. And, you know, brought that kind of, that that storyline to to a very kind of satisfying close.
0: Well, let's kind of move away from the back end of this movie and kind of, like, more into... <laughs> yeah, we kind of did it
1: reverse, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But it's all good. I mean, this ending is just... it. It's kind of, like you had said, like the crown jewel of this this film. And uh, I, I love that, that thematic element that is just constantly spoken throughout. There's a lot of... There's just a lot of elements of this movie that are, like staples whereas you don't kind of get that either in modern films or like most films I feel like you really kind of have to study them to kind of like understand like really the common elements or staples that the filmmaker was going for when he was making this but here you have family intimacy but also you have the the repeating motifs of the moon and you know the the infidelity of why you know men chase women. And uh I think that that scene in particular where Johnny talks about, you know, Adam having the rib taken out of him, uh, I think it's that that perfectly captures what, you know, we're going through as as far as uh stuff like that. And it's just it's captured so eloquently and uh but i think that the the there's a line in here it says something to the effect of like a full moon makes a woman uh draws a woman to a man and that's very really refreshing to me because i feel like we were talking about rom-coms before we started recording yep. and uh our lo- our undying love of that film genre you
1: get the whole episode on that yes <laughs> rom-coms <laughs>
0: I don't don't threaten me with a good time. I'm about it. Um, But, you know, this one I feel like is refreshing because mostly rom coms, when you're talking about them, it's mostly a man going after a woman. And this one, it's definitely share pursuing cage like it's a little bit of that like behind the scenes of like her saying like this is the guy that should play ronnie you definitely get to see that explored in this and uh i think that their chemistry together is just incredible um i i love that there's like this like unspoken uh just anger between ronnie and johnny uh (laughs) And then when you find out, like, why th- that is, it's, uh, like, I just love the fact that Cher calls him out, and she's just basically, like, you're a wolf, like, and you losing your hand, and your girl, and your brother, like, all of that happened for a reason, like, you're trying to wake up, so just wake up. I, I just love, like, her boldness, and her honesty in that portrayal.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's like why the relationship works because he is a little crazy, <laughs> but uh, you know, she she calls him out on it, and um, you know, and I think he he appreciates that because you know, I mean, I think that's what draws him there because she is, you know, able to kind of see his craziness, uh, but you know, see past it as well, and um, you know, I think that's you know, one, one of the endearing qualities of the relationship. I, 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 you know, I mean, I I love the um. And it, to speaking of rom-coms, where this is a little bit different, I mean, it's, I, I guess it would be classified as a rom-com, but it doesn't, as much as, like I said, you and I talked uh, before we start recording about how much we both enjoy rom-coms, uh, the standard formula, though, usually is, you know, the guy pursues the woman. Um, sometimes, you know, it's mutual or something like that. But, you know, and then usually the guy, although sometimes it's the female, but usually uh, the guy does something to screw it up at the end, you know, and they break up or whatever. And, you know, they go, and then he has to go like do something awesomely romantic, you know, the uh, the say anything with the boombox famous scene and stuff, or something like that, you know, to win her heart back and prove how much he loves her and that they're meant to be together. And in this movie, really, that, that doesn't quite happen. What happens instead is, is they just have the scene where they go to this opera together. And, you know, I think Cher realizes that she, she's fallen in love with, um, you know, Nicolas Cage's character. Cher's character realizes she's fallen in love with Nicolas Cage's character. And, um, and, you know, and she tries to go away because she's engaged to, you know, Johnny's character and um, his brother. And, you know, and he says, look, you know, like, the stars are perfect, you know, the snowflakes are perfect. You know, we're not perfect. Love's not perfect. You know, we're just, you know, we're in this right now, because this is what's working right now. And, you know, I think that's just such, you know, a powerful uh, scene and testament to love. And, you know, without going using the cliches of this guy's, you know, this guy screwed it up or this woman screwed it up or, you know, everyone screws it up. It just kind of flat out says it, Hey, we're not perfect. We're going to screw this up. We're going to do stuff. You know, we're not, you know, this isn't working out, you know, as, as a storybook should, but you know um, you know, it doesn't matter because you know, it's here and it's, it's where we're at.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the one of the interesting things about this movie is how well it responded. You know, we live in this world now where you know movies are lucky if they make it 4 months in theaters and this film particularly debuted at number 3 and stayed consecutively in the top 10 grossing films week to week for 20 weeks. Wow. Which is incredible. It's an incredible testament. Uh, it went on to become the, the fifth highest grossing movie of the year. of 87, wow. I believe. Uh, and, you know, there's such a testament. It's now featured in the Criterion Collection. And it's, it's such a testament to the quality of this movie. And I think a large portion of that is the the fact that, you know... You're drawn in right from the opening credits. Um, you know, Dean. It, Dean Martin. I think. Um,
1: the song at the beginning.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, it sounded like him. I'm-
0: uh, yes, Dean Martin's track. That's more it, It's and when you, I feel like when you hear that particular song, like that to me, just like it makes me kind of like welcomes me in right away to like just feel at home and like at with family at that point um and i feel like it just does a really good job at kind of like establishing like this is what you're getting ready to get into
1: yes yes and again a little trivia actually they originally had um the opera that they go see i forget the name of the opera that they went to see in the movie um i don't know if you remember because i know you just saw it but uh but anyway they originally had the opera uh, music playing underneath that Instead of That's Amore And uh, the test audiences started to squirm Because they thought they were watching like an art house Film <laughs> And and so they, they dropped the opera You know that's why in the opening thing while they're Doing it you see all this stuff getting ready for the opera Because it was supposed to be the opera song uh, Underneath it so they changed it to That's Amore and I actually think it works Better because I think it, it does exactly What you said it, it, it does it, it it just gives the, the feel Of this movie this like italian like you know family oriented you know love story that you know kind of shows you know what it's like to be in love i mean i know um you know cosmo and rose are kind of you know in the estranged you know through most of the movie you know but like you said that scene that's a beautiful scene where they where the uh the older couple sees the moon and he he, you know, you know, smiles at, you know, his wife and, you know, kind of like sees how beautiful she is again, you know, all of a sudden. And, you know, it's, you know, that kind of, you know, those kind of instances are all throughout the movie that kind of just make you be like, oh, yeah, you know, that's a wonderful thing. And I think that's, you know, that's more I just kind of gives that feel so perfectly of what you're about to see. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, just this eccentric Italian family, just dealing with love <laughs> of all kinds.
0: Which, it was interesting the the way that Nicolas Cage and Cher's characters end up both meeting and finding one another. Uh, b- basically, we've established that like Nicolas Cage has a wooden hand throughout the course of this film. Right. And... Uh, him and like shares basically trying to make amends between the brothers so that Johnny or Ronnie will come to the wedding and he gives this like great speech, Nick, this great monologue.
1: He, he Nick cages. It's great. <laughs>
0: And then like he like storms out of the frame, and like one of the girls that brought Loretta down just kind of like, I love him so much, and he doesn't even
1: notice it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for her.
0: (laughs) But it's like it's such a weird thing, like a such a dynamic that the two of them have in the beginning because they're like almost at each other's throats and like. She's, like, analyzing, like, every last detail of his life and, like, telling him, like, why he's, like, living his life wrong and, like, why he's why it's not Ronnie's fault. It's, it's Ronnie's fault. Uh, why it's not Johnny's fault. It's Ronnie's fault, actually. Uh, it bugs me that the names rhyme so much in this movie. <laughs> it's
1: confusing. <laughs> uh,
0: but, like, you know, she she basically, like repeats the same exact monologue to cage that she heard the people in the liquor store say, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting that it kind of came back in the way that it did. Um, but then like, there's just this like tonal shift where like, he's, he's just like had enough of it. And like, he flips over this entire table and just kisses her.
1: Yeah,
0: like I don't know about you, ma'am. <laughs> but that was a weird moment in the movie for me. I was like, "All right, I guess we we hit the the pedal to the metal in this one." Like this is happening, and like she has like no remorse, and I'm like, it just took this kind of like realistic approach and like just like shoved it out the window to like fast track itself.
1: I'm gonna, like I said, I saw this movie for the first time a year ago, and uh, I got to be honest. I, I didn't know much going in. I mean, I knew Cher and Nicolas Cage were in it. I didn't know the plot line. I didn't know, you know, who they played. I didn't really, I, I had ever seen a, a scene from it to my recollection. So I kind of, you know, and this was, none of this was brought to my attention or told to me, you know, before I was watching. So I was kind of watching it very fresh, you know, and very kind of, you know, um, I I guess like, you know, just kind of, okay, let's just take it as is. But yeah, I I mean, that whole, you know, you kind of start off and you're like, okay, I get it. She's kind of, you know, non-romantic, you know, she's got this boyfriend that, you know, turns into her fiance, but it's all kind of very, you know, um, non-passioned and, you know, kind of just very, you know, through the motions. And then, you know, we hit this bakery scene where Nicholas Cage first shows up and he, Nicholas Cage is, and I'm like, whoa okay because <laughs> like, he's just like all right there were, there was no lead up there we, we hadn't seen anything kind of that crazy you know up until that point so i didn't kind of expect nicholas cage to nicholas cage um you know that early on <laughs> and then they like you said go up into the apartment and i'm like oh, okay i see where this is going you know that they're, they're gonna you know start dancing around each other they're gonna do like the rom-com dance you know, where, you know, they, they pretend they don't have feelings for each other. They do little flirtations, little smiles, you know, they make each other giggle a little bit, you know, and then he just whips off the table and I'm, I'm expecting her to run out of the apartment and she's just like, yep, we're going to do this. I'm like, wow. Okay. That, that was love real quick, <laughs> like, <laughs> but all right, let's do this. We're going to love at first sight. It happens you know? <laughs> when you know, you know, <laughs>
0: But I feel like that scene in particular helps make this movie really kind of have a unique identity among other romantic comedies. Because it's not to say that, like, you know, we haven't had romantic comedies where, like, the good girl goes after the bad girl. I mean, like, uh, she's all that is kind of coming to my mind right now. Like, not another teen movie is another example of that. Granted, it's a spoof, but it still kind of has that plot line in it. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of get into this, uh, like, you know, I don't know, it just, it it, it escalated really quickly and then it just kind of stayed there. And I was like, okay, I guess this is kind of where we're going. But it it works for this film. I feel like in other films, like if you would had a scene like that, it could have come off a, a lot more I feel like rapey is really the only word I can say. Uh, And it kind of would have come off a little bit more in that vein, but just kind of given the chemistry that these people, that these two actors have together, the fact that, you know, Ronnie's like, look, if you take me, if you let me take you to the opera, I'll never bother you again. And then you kind of, you know, get a more gradual sense because you've kind of seen like, What this like love at first sight is like really done to her where she goes out she gets she gets her hair done. She gets her makeup done like she gets a new dress. She completely forgets to take the money to the bank. And, you know, to do the books, Uh, you know, so she basically is like on cloud nine with this, And, you know, from someone that has been married for seven years, like, I understand what it's like to like, you know, flirt with your wife or your significant other and like just kind of like lose track of, you know, either your time or your priorities because of it. And, you know, I think that this film again, just definitely captures it really well. Um, and Hey, love at first sight. It's possible. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm, I'm a believer in love at first sight. I, I think sometimes it doesn't always, you know, happen. But, um, I think sometimes, yeah, two people just meet and it's just, you know, it's, it's something, you know, very, very deep and, and primal and, um, you know, they just, they, they know, and you know, the, the rest of the relationship is just kind of getting to know what was kind of already known, you know, without any words. So I do think that has happened, um, and can happen. And, um, I think that's shown here and I think that's shown, like you said, very beautifully and it, it could have come across, like you say, it could have come across, Forceful. Some of the some of the things Ronnie says, I mean, could be misconstrued as as being very, you know, um, like you said. I mean, rapey. You know, I mean, like when they get back from the opera, he's like, "I want you in my bed. Get in my bed." <laughs> it could be construed as as he's basically, you know, um, you know, wants to, you know, um, have his way with her. But you know, it's it, the way again that this movie, the magic of this movie, and the way they do it, and the chemistry between them. I mean, you kind of know that this is you know a passionate love at first sight that she is like you said on cloud nine perfect example and that he just his whole world just changed he just he just went from being miserable to everything's worthwhile now um in an instant you know and that like all the misery before him that he felt you know is now worth worth it you know and that he he's he's found you know the reason for living, you know, you get from him. And like I said, her, she just becomes like, you know, her, her whole, like, you know, I mean, she just be, I mean, not that she isn't attractive, you know, in the, in the beginning of the movie before this, but I mean, she just kind of meets him and like, she just, she glows. I mean, she just, you know, her character just glows for the rest of the film and just becomes all that much more beautiful. And, um, you know, and that's just, and, and the scene the things like that, when he like takes her and he throws to the table, I mean, it just it comes across as passion and that they're both kind of giving into this passion that just they lived their lives without for, you know, probably, you know, their entire lives up to that point and that they finally found it and they just give into it. And the same thing when they after the opera, when he's like, get in my bed, it's it's kind of to me, at least how I took it, you know, it wasn't wasn't get in my bed cause like I want to have sex, you know, but yeah, you know, I mean, he probably does of course, too, but you know, <laughs> my bed, you know, meaning we belong together. I I, I want to be, you know, I, I want you with me. I want, you know, I want to be sleeping next to you. I, I, I need, you know, we're, we're a pair, you know, and, and that was kind of the, the idea, like, don't, you know, walk away from me after, you know, after we've experienced this love together, you know? So um that's how I took it and I think like I said that's what sets it apart from other kind of standard rom-coms where you you do this dance you know for the hour hour and a half and you know like I said we, I, I like that dance So we both say we like that but you know this is kind of a little bit of a different take because it, it's kind of a rom-com in reverse almost because that that explosion of passion that you usually get at rom-coms at the end when the couple finally you know, admits to themselves and and to each other that they, they, they're in love, you know, happens almost instantaneously. And the rest of the movie is kind of them saying, Hey, we are in love, you know, so we're just going to have to make it work, you know, even though it's, it's sloppy and it's a mess and, you know, it it shouldn't have happened. It it happens.
0: Yeah. And I I think passion is definitely a lot better phrasing of that. Um, Mm -hmm. So, uh I think that's gonna do it for us on this episode of the cage corner podcast but real quick before we leave on our cage scale, where would this rank from zero to five for you
1: uh I'm gonna have to you know and as you said before i I am very generous with my ratings and i'm so I'm gonna have to give this a five uh just because I really do think it's you know um it, it's not you know the the It's not necessarily the Godfather of romantic comedies, but it's uh, you know it's definitely um, you know a a really deep, uh, heartfelt you know funny, um, very you know fun and endearing romantic comedy. Uh, Nick Cage and Cher's chemistry are beautiful. I think all the performers did great job with their portrayals so i I really i mean again it's it it, it maybe isn't you know the most you know groundbreaking earth-shattering you know movie that's just going to change how you look at the world but i think it's it's really gives you a lot to you know uh think about as, as far as love and and passion and i think it's really really well executed
0: i'm gonna go just a slightly a little bit lower than you we're on the same page for this one i think we really both really liked it this is going to get a four out of five for me uh i i really enjoyed this movie i like i said to my wife and like i was saying to you before we started like i feel like this movie i didn't know what to expect uh i read the synopsis on imbd really quick before i started it and i really wasn't expecting to like like it because to be honest with you, like the whole like pop star thing we covered at the beginning of this like was a little bit troublesome. Like movies about infidelity, I'm like they could like either swing, way, like one way or the other. But then I think that this one like it just kind of hits all the right notes when you're talking about chemistry between the actors, the score, the music, um, the the script, the like all of the, like, the intricate moving pieces of this movie and then how they all culminate in the end, I feel like is just very well done. So, yep, that's going to do it for us here at the Cage Corner Podcast on this episode. And uh, where can people find Mr. Matthew Basil online?
1: Uh, well, I'm, I'm on Facebook and uh, and um, Twitter uh, mostly. Um, so you can find me if you search the... the conjuring pen um, you can find me on that or uh on twitter and then if you can find me on facebook uh, matthew uh m-a-t-t-h-e-w a uh my middle initial and then basil b-a-s-i-l-e like the italian spice since we're talking about italian movie but with any e on the end and um yeah, and there's a lot of Matthew Basils out there, so that's why you got to look for the A in the middle. <laughs> and uh, that's on uh, Facebook. So you can find either my writing page on Facebook under that, my name, or The Conjuring Pen as my handle on Twitter.
0: All right, well, you guys can find our mother show and more information about it at victimsandvillains.net, where you guys will find uh, reviews by both Matthew and myself, uh, also from our other incredible team of writers. Uh, Past podcasts and most uh, social media, which include Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch and Letterboxd as well. Um, And most importantly, our suicide prevention resources because at the end of the day, while we love talking about Nicolas Cage, it's not the sole reason we make this content. We make this content so that you, yes, you listening right now, know that you have value and that you have worth. And... Victims and villains is, exists to help give you the uh, library of resources to raise awareness of mental health and suicide prevention. So until next time, remember to keep cajun. We'll see you guys soon.